Welcome to From the Ground Up, insights into crop production productivity from Salford's agronomy expert, Jim Boak. Good morning. Today is Monday, March 6th, and today we have Brian Osterndorf on the phone. We are going to talk about road regulations as they pertain to agricultural equipment. Brian, would you like to introduce yourself this morning? Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me be part of this and not saying that I'm an expert or anything in uh, what we're going to be talking about, but it is an interesting topic for sure. Like you said, uh, my name is Brian Ostendorf. I work from Roberts Farm Equipment. We've got three locations in uh, Chesley, Mount Forest, and Lucknow. And I'm also a member of the CETA organization, which is the Canada East Equipment Dealer Association. I sit on the, the board of directors there and I've sat there for four years now and uh, our goal is to try and make what dealers do easier and better for them and provide products and services that will help them in their day-to-day business. Uh, Tuesday, we had uh, the MTO come in and uh, just refresh our guys and what their expectations are, what their responsibilities are as drivers for us. Mm-hmm. Not, all, not only goes to our uh, highway truck drivers, but our service guys, too, that are driving cube vans. So they're... A lot of interesting stuff that we got from from the MTO, and then we have them come in usually every other year just to kind of refresh our guys of what's going on with the the rules and regs of what the MTO is after anyway. Right. But they won't speak for what – they will to a point of the Highway Traffic Act, but that kind of gets to be out of their their realm. And that's where you have an issue is – you have the MTO telling you one thing and and OPP telling you another thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets hard for our guys, for our drivers to – what's right, what's wrong. Are your guys ever moving equipment with tractors or like combines and that kind of stuff? Or is it they're towing with road trucks? No, we'll take combines. And just part of the reason we're taking combines because it's time you load them, like the tires all got to come off. So it's easier to drive them sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, down the road. And and most of tractors too, like we can only handle up to 12 feet wide in the road without going to get extra permits, Mm -hmm. right? And have escort vehicles. So at that point, we just drive as much as we can. And my understanding is it's kind of a totally different rule book when it comes to road trucks towing equipment versus tractors and combines towing stuff. Is that right? It, it, yeah, from what I understand it is. Every time you load something, it becomes a different uses or different applications as soon as it's, it's loaded on a trailer. So, are, are there different rules, Brian, for a dealer driving a tractor and an implement in delivery to a farm than what would apply to the farmer? No, that's that's the same. It doesn't really matter. The only time that things will change is when we hook a commercial vehicle onto it, then the rules change. But other than that, if if we hook a tractor on it, we're the same rules as a farmer. There's no no difference that way. Yeah, I was at SWAC this year and there was a presentation on this and uh, yeah, it was just really confusing. <laughs> like they delivered it, really it they delivered it in a good way, but the other rules like they were talking about small equipment and I don't know what the actual size is for small equipment but small towing equipment either had to be I guess not just towing I guess it would apply to tractors and stuff too either had to have both tires on the road or both tires off you couldn't have one off and one on because if anything happened at that point you were liable yeah and Which... they tell us that a farm vehicle should be on the road just as much as any other vehicle like the shoulder of the road really isn't part of the road when it comes to vehicles being on it. The shoulder there is meant to be to pull off if you need to let somebody buy, but other than that, you should be on the 
on the road itself. Yeah. Well, and even that, they were talking about how, like, if you're going to move over to let people buy, you need to do it in a spot where you can get, if you are a small vehicle, yeah. you need to get all the way off the road. Yeah. Which kind of blew my mind yeah. because really, like, if, if you're driving down the road and you see a line of traffic behind you and you see an opportunity to get over a little bit, you're going to want to take that opportunity. But apparently you're not supposed to. Well, and that's I think that's a frustrating part that uh, that we see. You could have an MTO officer say that kind of thing and get along with it and have no problem with it, and an OPP will come by and he's got a totally different take on it. Mm-hmm. Right, so you're kind of you know damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing, and you try to do what's as safe as possible, but that may not be what, in the eyes of uh, enforcement, may not be the right thing to do. Brian, you're a, a director with CETA, the Canada East Equipment Dealers Association. Yes, sit on the board. Yep. Do you provide input to the government on trying to get some sense in this and trying to get some commonality or common ground? Yeah, we had our forum last month actually, and and this was kind of a topic that came up. We had uh, OMAFR there, and it was a topic that came up about it about uh, highway safety, high speed vehicles. You know what what's allowed, what's not allowed. And there really hasn't been anything done to this date about changing policies or what has to happen. The acts that are out there are very old, if you want to say that word, right? They haven't really came up along with what today's equipment, what we can do. So I think our take from the CETA conference was that uh, it's something that we need to really look at and push as hard as we can as an association to hopefully make some changes and get things where they need to be. And and the the one thing is the high-speed vehicles, all equipment that is on the highway is supposed to have an SMV sign on it. And that takes you up to 40 kilometers an hour. After 40 kilometers an hour, your SMV sign is supposed to come off. So if you have a 50 kilometer an hour tractor, it doesn't matter if it's a tractor or not. It needs to be, or 50K tractor, it needs to have the rules followed to the road, whether it's 40 or 50K. So if you take the SMV sign off, you're illegal. If you put it back on and you're doing 50K with an SMV sign, you're illegal again. So... How do you do the right thing on the road with a tractor that manufacturers are pushing right now when the laws here don't allow it? Wow. Yeah, it makes, it's, uh, makes it really difficult. It really does. And, yeah. You know, and, and there's a whole thing on, on lighting after a certain length of vehicle, your lights have to change. There's a whole lot, and I don't think a lot of people are aware of it, and I certainly am not aware of all of it either. Uh, OFA does a good job of putting those fact sheets on their website and that's where we kind of use that to kind of give us a guideline of what's going on but it's still difficult to interpret the law i was doing some reading to try and and prepare to make sure i had good questions for you brian and and the more i read i I said to jessica this morning (laughs) the more confused i became it was just layer over layer and and a tremendous amount to to take in and a lot of it contradictory so you have to try and it is it is and it's contradictory by the officer that's on the road you can have an MTO guy that will interpret the law one way, and then you go to OPP and they interpret another way, and who's right, who's wrong? And that's where you get frustrated farmers and, and dealers, too, for that reason, because at the end of the day, we're trying to do things as safe as possible, and you know our trucks and everything have to be kept up, and you obey the rules of the road, but then you get one officer or, or somebody, and they can make your, your life a living hell. This adds quite a bit to the cost of doing business, doesn't it, when we don't have some clarity on there? Oh, and know exactly what we're up against. Yeah, I can. Uh, we had an example. We were delivering a piece of equipment south of Grand Bend, um, and it was it was wide, so we had to tow it. But we were within the limits. We had it everything marked, lights, everything was the way it was supposed to be. But um, we got pulled over south of Grand Bend with it, 
and we were arguing in the fact that we had everything done right, and it was OPP that came along, and uh, they held us up for, it was almost four hours, they held us up, and at the end of the day, we had done everything right, and the OPP let us finally go, but that was four hours out of our day, you know, that cost me, customers looking for his piece of equipment, you know, it, it is a huge cost to us, just for some verbiage or something that, that people don't understand. What do you do at that point? Yeah, keep a copy of the MTO regulations on hand at all times? or That's what MTO would, would uh, like. That's what we do now, actually, is we keep copies of what our legal requirements are and what we do, and we highlight it. And then uh, when we get pulled over, we just hand it to whoever, whoever it is, and we hand over a file and say, this is what we're doing. And then at least you're doing your due diligence of, yeah. of at least trying. And that, at that point, they may say, well, you know, there's nothing to get here. I mean, to me, that almost sounds like there's got to be some sort of miscommunication between the organizations too, right? Like between the MTO and the OPP. It's huge. And I actually called that day that we got pulled over. I called MTO and they said, no, you're doing everything right. And they said, you need to call the sergeant at the OPP. Well, trying to get that happening, you know, get my truck off the road was, was not easy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I did get in contact with the sergeant and he apologized for what had happened. That was consolation, but not enough to, you know, four hours just sitting there. That, that turns into an eight-hour day for me. So it is a it is a hard thing to, to get across of what's right and what's wrong. What I heard in there sounds like good advice for a farmer then, too, to carry the, the regulations with them in, in the equipment, whether it's a combine, any self-propelled equipment on the road. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and we've had some discussions here. We just uh, actually uh, talked with our, our sales guys this morning, and, and I think what we're going to try and do is pull a, um, a safety meeting together talking about this this kind of stuff here, highway traffic and farm safety just alone at the farm. Well, it, it's a widespread problem in agriculture. I, I just came back from, I'm just on the way back from Wisconsin, actually, and state government out there is really making life difficult for farmers and dealers in terms of how, how they transport and what they can transport, how heavy it is, how wide it is. And mm. Some of the regulations that they've proposed and actually written but not mandated would take a tremendous number of machines off the road. The weight limit that they set is is well below what the average piece of equipment would be. Right. So I think this is pretty important that we can all get together and get out in front of this before we have somebody coming in and bringing in rules regulations that we all are already in excess of. We're already past what they've recommended in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, you almost have to have a common sense approach to this, and, and that's sometimes hard with government is to make them understand what is actually going on um, and how it works and, you know, what we are requiring or, you know, the size of the equipment that we have to have these days to do all this stuff. You know, I don't think government really sometimes understands what we're doing. You know? I think it's reflective of the biggest issue that there is in agriculture in general right now. The majority of the mm-hmm. population is so far removed from what's going on that... Mm-hmm. To the average person, it's kind of like, well, yeah, farm vehicles get in my way when I'm driving on back roads, so they need to have more rules. But to a farmer who's trying to do their job and who's trying to get food off the fields, I mean, farm vehicles have to be on the road. And the reality is they're getting bigger and bigger and regulations have to change with that. Yeah, it's frustrating. I can see it in in customers and where we are up here, like we live on our, our business is on County Road 10. So it's the line straight up to Tobamori, the Gravers line. So, you know, weekends come along, boy, oh boy, like you just, you got to stay off the roads. And farmers do a good job of it for the most part, but there are some places where they do have to get on that road to get to their next farm. 
mm-hmm. and they have much right to be on the road as anybody else, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's respect back and forth for the person that's driving to the cottage on the weekend, you know, understanding that this farmer is going out to produce food so that when they go up there to the cottage and have their steak or their potatoes, whatever it is, and that's the reason they have it because that guy was on the road. You know, it's an education thing with, with consumers and, and farmers and all of us together of, you know, what actually goes on to make us survive the way we do. Yeah. It's like that meme was out last harvest season and it had a picture of a tractor and said, this guy feeds you three times a day. Slow down. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's hard to educate people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, everybody gets busy and they want to be certain places and yeah, it t- takes time and some of us aren't as, as patient as we need to be. <laughs> I'm one of them too. I get frustrated too, but uh, you, you got to sit back and realize, you know, what's happening. That sounds like a good idea, though. If we had stickers instead of slow-moving vehicle signs, have stickers showing food on the back, you know, <laughs> so people driving up behind could say, "Well, this is a implement of husbandry, part of my food supply." Maybe they'd see it differently. Well, it sure would be a good marketing campaign to create awareness to to people. You know, if we could do something like that, because it's so difficult. You know, we're all tweeting and, and using social media as much as we can. But the fact is when you're actually behind a piece of equipment, that's that's real impact right there. That's when it means a lot to you when you're following them down the road. Well, I think the one that the that is really uh concerning is the the high speed tractors that the equipment that we're we're going right now because it doesn't matter what they do, as soon as the SMB sign comes off, they're illegal. Yeah. With their tractor on the road. And with it on going fifty K, they're still illegal. Do you think there needs to be two different types of slow-moving vehicles signs, like a red and a orange or something, or what? I think I think there still should be an SMB sign that maybe stays to that limit. But I think these tractors that are going that way, I think the amount of lights that we have on them now, that should be sign enough. You know, at that point, I don't think an SMB sign is going to catch attention, not like what lights do. So, and I think at that point, the law should change that if you're going to go be over 40 kilometers an hour, your lights need to be this amount. But in saying that too, we have to make sure that the rubber that's on the ground is going to be able to take the 50 kilometer an hour plus, yeah. the 40 kilometer an hour plus speed. You know, some of these older farm wagons, well, they're not rated for that. So where do you start? Where do you stop? It gets to be a, an interesting conversation of, sure, the tractor can do it. The tractor's equipped with the right tires and handle 50K, but is the implement ready for that? And I'd say that's probably also reflective of some of the trailers you see going down the 401. Oh, yeah. Axles bending. And the- I don't think farmers want to have any more regulations or things they got to abide by. But at the end of the day, it becomes a safety thing. Yeah. And, and, and nobody wants anybody to be hurt on the road or or anywhere for that matter. But there are some implements on the road that are, you wonder, how can they actually get from point A to point B safely? Do you think there's a need for some sort of federal regulation on this, or do you think it should stay province to province? Well, when it comes to high speed, I think that's a federal thing. Yeah. Because that's that's clear across North America, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you go in Canada. Not saying that we're going to travel from province to province, but you may do that in in eastern Ontario, or you may cross over into Quebec or something like that. So I, I think it should be a federal thing at that point. And then, I mean, you run into farm equipment out west is way different than what we're running here. But um, Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, you almost yeah. need, as far as, like, sizing goes and that kind of stuff, you almost need to partially have uh, province to province. But then, yeah, it gets complicated. Well, and it is when you go from province to province, like even western Canada, their their height requirements or, or limitations are different than what they are in, Can- in uh, Ontario. Like, yeah. we're 13.6, right? So 
anything over that. We're clipping wires and we're in trouble. But we're bringing in 50-foot cultivators now or 60-foot cultivators that are 16 feet tall. So how do we get them down the road anymore? So it's a a big issue, and, and I don't know how anybody gets around it. Do any farm vehicles require police escorts? No, right? It's just four ways, one in yeah. front, one behind? I believe that's what it is. And you know, I had that conversation with uh, the MTO when they were here about the length of some of this stuff. Like, you know, you start looking at uh, a guy that's running an articulate tractor and an air seater and a, and a packer behind him. You know, they're getting up to 80 feet long, some of these guys. How do he gets around some of these corners? Like, it's just, <laughs> it blows my mind that, yeah. that we're at this size of equipment and we're still dealing with regulations that come in 19... 1960, right? I think that's a big part of the danger behind it too, is that the pace of life is just getting faster and faster. And then you have Mm -hmm. farm equipment also getting bigger and bigger. Now, all of a sudden you have huge farm vehicles on the road and people who are driving way faster than they should be. So Brian, who needs to step up and bring these groups together? The farm organizations, the the dealer organizations, OMAF. I think it's a collaborative effort that uh, maybe between government and, you know, farm associations and dealer associations together, we collectively sit in a room and say, this is the problems that we're having and where do we go from here? Is that a role that CETA would play? Is that that part of the mandate of CETA? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to have a discussion about it. We see the the reason to do that. We have CETA has teamed up with CFIB, so we do have some extra power there to maybe push this issue within government. So it's something that we definitely have talked about and, and I'm sure we will be looking at it. Well, that's good because I think, as you've already said, pretty important and time we got it right. Yeah, I believe that. It's going to be quite a drastic change from the, the regs that we have right now to what need to be today with the equipment that we have. And, and trying to figure that out will be a monumental task. Like I said, OFA's got some pretty good information on their website. They're just fact sheets that they have, and we use them quite a bit here. And it goes back to even ATVs and, and off-road vehicles, trailers and stuff like that. So OFA does a really good job of uh, putting information out there in, the, in those fact sheets. So. Mm-hmm. If you haven't looked at them, I would encourage you to take a look at those because they're very informative. Thanks for listening. You can stay up to date with Selford on Twitter at Selford Group and on Facebook, same thing, Selford Group. From the Ground Up was brought to you by Selford Group, manufacturers of Airway, BBI, Valmar, and Selford tillage, seating, and application equipment. For more information on Selford Group, go to selfordgroup.com or call one 866 442-1293.